Hi, my name's Tom Cheeks, and I'm going on a journey around the world. Why don't you join me? Over the course of these podcasts, you'll learn a lot about me. But let me tell you this for starters. I've made love in 68% of the countries on the planet. How, you ask? Well, you'll find out how, you ask, if you stick around. Now, I'm going back to learn a little bit about the place I was too busy shagging to fully appreciate the first time round. The food, the culture, etc., And, and here's the kicker, I'm going to seek out these old flames of mine, find out what they're up to nowadays, and what they remember about that fateful night with yours truly. Finally, I'm going to give them the option to do it all over again. No cheeks attached, because I'm flying home the very next day. So, why don't you come along for the ride? Episode 2. The Place... Kampur, India, the year 2011. The girl, Fatima Lengari. Hello again, guys. Hope you're all well and you're having a great weekday. At the start of episode one, I went into a bit of detail about me and how it was that I was able to travel the world when I was 18. I won't go into all of that again, but just in case there are any new listeners, here are some bullet points. Rich parents dead parents, rich me, head full of dreams. Now, before we go back on our travels, I got a couple of emails after the first episode, a couple of questions, and I'm more than happy to answer any questions you may have, so I thought I'd make this a regular feature on the podcast. In a section called... If These Cheeks Could Talk... Pauline from Hammersmith emailed me asking, how do you travel, Cheeks? Um, Assuming what you are asking there is you want to know about modes of transportation. Well, I don't know if you've ever seen the film Planes, Trains and Automobiles. (laughs) Very much like that, but um, more like planes, trains, automobiles and by sea. This one from Pete from Saltash, who says, Hi Tom, big fan, great show. Thanks very much. Have you thought about advertising on your podcast? For example, you could talk about the refreshingly different taste of Vimto, which now comes in a delicious orange and passion fruit flavour. Always different, always Vimto. Thanks for your email, Jim. No, I haven't. And lastly, this comes from James Sandalwood from Cheddar. I know you, you're a wanker. I think you got the wrong person there, James. I've never met anyone called James. So, episode two, we're going to the land of holy meadows, amazing India. Last time round, we were in Paris, France, where I started my travels all those years ago. So I thought it'd be interesting this time to go to the place where those same travels came to an end in 2011, the last country I visited after a decade on the road. You'll recall from episode one, I set off when I was 18 with just my hopes, dreams, and one and a half million in pounds sterling. Money didn't mean anything to me in those days. It was just the unit most accepted in exchange for what I was really after. Experiences. Memories. Life. I had a motto at the time which I'd use whenever the opportunity arose, usually when I was looking at a great panoramic view or sat on a beach somewhere watching the sun go down. You can take your money, I'd say. This is all the wealth I need. Sometimes adding, you can't put a price on this. After a decade on the road, and at exactly the same moment it was running out, I suddenly realised how important money can be. Or, if not the money itself, 
or what the money could be used for. Hotels, food, drink, travel, etc. I remembered the name Mary Chalice. Mary is one of my old flames who I'd met and subsequently boinked in Berlin, but that's a subject for another episode. Once, as Mary and I were sharing a beer stein in the Alexanderplatz, she told me about her own experiences travelling. <laughs> it was all fairly forgettable stuff, but one thing she did say stuck in my mind. She told me that she lived in India for a while. Good curries, I asked, with a wry smile. She laughed and told me that in India, you can basically live like a king on 20 quid. At the time, I just nodded with another wry smile and wondered if she was being racist. But fast forward to 2011, I decided to go and find out for myself. So, some facts about India. Capital city. New Delhi, which replaced Delhi in 1947, which itself had replaced Old Delhi the previous year. Currency. Indian rupee. Sacred animals. In India, the humble cow is seen as sacred. I actually found this out the hard way on my previous visit when a clumsy cow trod on my toes as I was perusing the goods at a covered market in Mumbai. I'm now almost ashamed to admit I let my emotions get the better of me, and I sent a fist straight at the animal's snout, getting a couple of kicks at the udders for good measure. I got some very stern looks that day. The thing you don't fully appreciate about India until you get here is just how big it is. I mean, it is vast. It is very, very large. To give you some idea, you can fit roughly one and a quarter Argentinas in here. To see as much of this beautiful country as possible in the 24 hours I've got here, I'm going to have to get moving quickly. I'm starting my journey in Mumbai, where I catch the express train to Nagpur. There, I'll have a taxi waiting to take me to the capital, New Delhi. Then, it's a short plane ride over to the east coast before I'm back on the train to Kanpur, where I'll hopefully be able to find my old girlfriend, Fatima Langari. You join me now on the train from Mumbai. Me and hundreds of commuters are squeezed on here like sardines. It's absolutely how I imagine it would feel to be a sardine. There's hardly room to breathe in here and it's so, so hot. But believe it or not, this is how thousands of Indians get to and from work every single day. Might make you think twice next time you learn about your commute. Next time just imagine being here because this is, this is horrible. This is fucking hot, it's awful. I actually can't breathe. I, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Do you have to poke your fucking elbow right there, mate? Fuck's sake. This is torture. Someone's got their hand in my pocket. Someone's grabbing my wallet. Hey, hey, fuck's sake. I can't turn around. Can somebody do something? Somebody get my wallet. Anyone listening to me? You're all idiots. Why don't you buy a car or something? Now, it'll come as no surprise that India's biggest export is curry. As a typical British bloke, there's nothing I enjoy more than a curry and a pint of lager at the end of a long weekend. Hey, <laughs> throw in a couple of strippers in there and that's paradise. I mean, don't throw them into the curry. Throw them into the experience. I'm now in one of the most popular curry houses in New Delhi, Billy K. Sath. Hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, and I'm with the manager, Prisha. Hi, Prisha. Hi. So... What would you recommend for me then? And uh, don't worry, me likes it spicy. 
the chloe masala is very popular maybe the palak paneer or we do fantastic biryanis hmm, okay i think i'll go for a chicken curry please Oh, this is spicy. Oh, yikes. This will burn your mouth skin off. Oh. oh, but it is delicious all the same. I have to say, this is as good as the best Indian takeaway I've ever had. Let's show some appreciation as well to the unsung hero, the rice. It's uh, like an authentic Mr. Ben's. But yes, this is very, very spicy. Oh, oh, oh ow. Oh. It's not just cows that are seen as sacred in this country, perhaps even strangers that rivers are too. The Hindus believe that certain rivers are gods and that the water in these rivers can cleanse the soul of sins. I'm besides the Yamuna River now with Sunil who lives in Delhi. Uh, Sunil here bathes in the Yamuna River every morning, isn't that right Sunil? Yes. And um, what is it about the rivers that... Oh, God. <sighs> Sorry about that, I'm feeling pretty rough. Oh, I'm pretty awful. Oh, I had a bit of a dodgy Indian earlier. Oh, sort of, they call it Delhi Belly. Oh, those, as you guys just call it Belly. Oh, God. Coming out of both ends all day. Sorry, that's probably a bit too much information, isn't it? Yes. Right, so, okay, right. So, yeah, rivers. What's so good about um, them? Because you guys worship rivers, don't you? Oh, sorry. I'm sorry, I might have to do this another time. I actually feel really, really bad. I don't feel too good at all. I think, I think I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to. Oh, no. I'll get out of there if I were you, love. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, I'm so, so sorry about this. Sunil, sorry. Oh. I've decided to give East India a miss. I did a couple of searches on Google Street View and wasn't that impressed with what I saw. Instead, I'm heading straight for the city of weather, Kampur. Kampur was where I spent most of my time in India in 2011. It's a fantastic city full of amazing people and buildings. To give you a little flavour of the place, in the 2011 census, Kampur had a population of 4,581,000. The literacy rate in the same census was 79.65% and the sex ratio was 862. Kampur municipality was established on the 22nd of November 1861 and was upgraded to a municipal corporation in 1959. The development of infrastructure in the city is overseen by the Kampur Development Authority. The city is divided into six zones and 110 wards with a war population range of 19 to 26,000. Kampur's average rainfall in inches in January is 0.36, in February 0.36, March 0.1, April 0.1, May 0.32, June 2.43, July 7.3, August 7.55, September 5.44, October 1.33, November 0.13, December 
0.08. With only a few hours left until my flight back home, I'm turning all my attentions to finding Fatima. Of all the ladies I've bedded in my life, Fatima was always one of my favourites. She had such a joie de vivre, an infectious smile, and the ability to light up any room she sat in. She worked as the receptionist at the Royal Bridge Hotel where I was staying. I actually had to pursue Fatima over the course of several weeks. Perhaps it was something about the car system in India. I always got the impression she saw herself as inferior to me, despite my attempts to tell her otherwise. One night, as I returned from a day at the zoo, I saw her behind the desk as usual. I waved and blew her a kiss. This time was different. She was no longer smiling. Instead, long streaks of mascara were sliding slug-like down her soft face. Are you okay? I asked. She nodded, but my relief quickly disappeared when she burst into tears. I did my best to comfort her, stroking her arm and back. But as I didn't speak a word of whatever language it was she used, and her English was pretty not good at best, it proved difficult to help this emotional woman. Until I realised there was one language we both knew. The language of sex. I'm now at the Campor Library. I've asked at the hotel and Fatima no longer works there, but they tell me this place holds a record of addresses and phone numbers of a lot of Campor residents, so wish me luck. about an hour into my search when I found exactly what I was hoping I didn't find in my search. Fatima Abel Langari died June 6th, 2011. Cause of death, suicide. <sighs> God. It didn't dawn on me until I was sitting in the departure lounge at Campur Airport that June the 6th, 2011 was the day after Fatima and I had spent that wonderful night together. So many questions racing through my mind. Was it whatever that had upset her so much the previous day that led to this? She seemed okay in the end though. She seemed fine. That's what I can't get my head around. Did my leaving play a part? Did she feel like I'd abandoned her? Did she have abandonment issues? I know I shouldn't blame myself, but something must have happened that meant the happy person I knew, the girl with so much joie de vivre, decided to take her own life the day after she slept with me. I guess I'll never know. So it's goodbye again to India. I've had a fantastic time here made some memories which could last a lifetime and found a few friends along the way. Until next time, this is Tom Cheek saying goodbye and thanks for listening to my podcast. Mm-hmm.